Welcome to the Avail Podcast, where we dig deep and talk about the art of leadership. My name is Virgil Sierra, and today we're sitting down with Phil Klein. Phil is a leader of leaders and the founder of Focus 412, an organization dedicated to partnering with leaders to develop healthy staff, structure, and systems to build the body of Christ. Today, we'll discuss topics such as leadership development, practical systems and structures, and organizational health. So buckle up your leadership seatbelts and let's get started. Hey, hey, everybody, we are back for another episode of the Avail podcast, and I am privileged and honored to be sitting with a good friend, an amazing leader who's going to bring some very insightful conversation to the table today. I am sitting with none other than Phil Klein. Phil, it's so good to have you here on the Avail podcast. How are you feeling, my friend? I'm great, Virgil. I, Pastor, I... Um... I love you. You always bring the fun. You always make me feel like I've just gotten 10 years younger. So I'm excited about this. Yes, sir. Hey, you know, here on the Avail podcast, our aim is to put practical, relevant leadership resources in the hands of leaders. And I know that this conversation with you is going to do just that. You've been such a blessing to me, Phil. Can I say, um, uh, hearing you, uh, watching you, learning from you at, at many conferences throughout the last couple of years. I have been equipped by you and your team in ways that, I mean, I can't even express how, how amazing that is. So I, I want to just take advantage and just thank you for the role that you play uh, f- uh, for so many pastors and church leaders. And I can't wait to see all that the Lord is going to continue doing through you. Oh, man. Uh, it's been a it's been an honor. And uh, I love seeing your leadership happen. And the people you're trying to serve, and it's been amazing. I love the, I love our relationship, and uh, appreciate you having me. Yes, sir. I know, I know that when you and I talked in preparation for this podcast, uh, you you mentioned a little bit about uh, just maybe some gratitude for Dr. Sam Chand. You know, here at the in the Avail family, uh, you know, Dr. Sam Chand has really set the tone in saying, "Hey, team, we want to just." Uh, build a Christian leadership brand that's actually going to help leaders. And maybe you want to take a moment or two to just talk about that. Thank you. Yeah. Like I was sharing with you the other day, I just, um, you know, uh, Sam has paved the way for people like me to be able to do what I do and really just um, created such a legacy of helping leaders. And really back when, he started doing all this and just this notion of coaching and and consulting and raising people up and, and looking at their issues from a different angle is just stuff that wasn't something that happened in the church, if you will. And um, so I, I, um, I feel a great debt of gratitude. And I literally, I mean this seriously, like I wouldn't probably wouldn't be able to do what I do if he hadn't. Um, I kind of feel like I stand on his shoulders, if you will. Um, so it's yeah. it's love his heart and almost everywhere I go and every great leader I've worked with mentions him somewhere in their story that he came in and it's usually sometime where there was a a crisis of leadership or a big decision or something weighing on him and he just came in and started uh, speaking truth into it just his his mind and his heart that worked together it's pretty pretty crazy so um so yeah I'm I'm extremely grateful and love what all that um, he and Avail and you and the team are all doing to help leaders. It's what I'm about as well. 
Yeah, I love that. I think uh, so many of us can just uh, say a few things of how people that have gone before us have made a difference, including Dr. Sam Chan. All right, Phil, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Now, um, you know, you lead this uh, important organization that is Focus 412. Uh, I'd, I'd like for, before we get into the conversation of, you know, kind of leadership and church systems and structures, can you maybe just share a couple minutes about yourself, uh, you know, who you are, where you come from, what you're doing? That way our, our Avail audience can can get an idea of who Phil Klein is. Well, thanks. Um, so, I, you know, I would say it this way. I have an amazing wife, Grace. I have two daughters, Paige and Felicia, and a great son-in-law, Brad, um, that just kind of helped keep me straight. And we all kind of do ministry together. So it's a great blessing that I have a great family. And, um, you know, the short of it is this, because when you get as old as I am, you got a long story to tell. So I'll I'll, I'll sum it up, you know, uh, not to sound trite, but I, I love God and I love the church. My lane in the church has always been raising up leaders. I had a a pretty long, about a 35-year corporate career. I worked for Time Warner and a bunch of big entertainment companies and um, had some big operating roles and things like that and learned a lot and really had a passion for leadership. Then God got a hold of my heart. Mm. I stumbled into this church called Little Church in, in Charlotte, North Carolina called Elevation Church. And there was this young uh, young pastor popping off about leadership on the stage. And I was just so taken it was almost like he put a he put words and talked about a vision and I was witnessing a church do things that I thought the was what the church was about, but I hadn't necessarily seen that, hmm. especially from a leadership perspective. And so that inspired my heart. I got involved in um not long after was asked to be on the executive team. So I got to really see two worlds. I got to see my corporate world for 35 years. Then I was deeply embedded in one of the fastest growing churches in, in the country and just being led differently and all those circumstances. I'm part of a great church now, um, amazing church. My pastor, Chris Hodges and Church of the Highlands, Grace and I and our family are, are thrilled and grateful to be a part. But I would just describe it that I've, I've kind of led two lives. I, I was in Egypt and then I, I came to the to the promised land. And I've really used every day the things that I learned there, but I also had to understand the church. Um, and I don't think you can understand the church unless you've been deeply, you know, involved in it. So now I, um, God called me to help really take that. And I'm really an extension of, of Church of the Highlands and Highlands College, but uh, Focus 412, really, I like to say that, that um Highlands is the aircraft carrier and we're the, we're the F-16. We can go places and do things with, with people. So um, that gives me, I feel like I'm having the most blessed life because I get to do what I was born to do with the people I was born into. So I went from CEOs being my heroes to now pastors. Pastors are really my heroes and I, I literally was born to serve them. So that's why I, I love you so much and Sam. And, and uh, so that's, that's kind of a nutshell. And I think mostly about organizational development, leadership development, mm. how to really, we talk a lot about how to lead people, but you have to lead an organization. So that's kind of what I think about the most. I love that. Um, that's a great description. I think I, I can't wait to see, and I'm going to throw this at you, not to talk about it now, but for you to pray about and consider. But um, I think that there's an army of men and women who are called 
to the same thing you're called to. Just they haven't seen too many examples and they haven't awoken to that. So I, I'm going to pray uh, that, mm. that the Lord would use you as a voice to rise, kind of lift up and raise up some of those people to come side by side with pastors and churches. I'll be, I'm praying for that. Phil. I'm praying for that. <laughs> All right. So I'll, I want to talk a little bit. Of, I want to kind of start off a little bit on the whole kind of leadership development. I know this is important. You just mentioned how important this is. You, you talk about um, you talk about the archaeologist and architect par- paradigm, right? Which I've yeah. never heard that kind of that take on it. The archaeologist architect's paradigm when it comes to leadership development. Can you unravel that for us? Yeah. If you if you if you think about it, we really have we have two lives as a leader, if you will. We've got our you know, our day-to-day grind, getting things done. And then we also have developing people and the tyranny, the urgent is kind of the, that um, the thing that pulls at us, the thing that won't rest and comes after us and sucks us in is the day-to-day, which is important getting stuff done. Leaders, you know, build relationships and get results, but so results are important, but I think the piece that you've got to go looking for, if you will, which is the archaeologist piece of it. Archaeologists are fascinated by what's in the ground that they haven't unearthed yet, mm. right? So, yeah. So I see P- I see teams and people as this this vast earth of of it's a gold mine, and the gold is just under the surface. So it's it's really about really the concept of I to be a great leader. You have to be a developer of leaders because you'll never accomplish big things without a great team. And it's not about a team that's just going to help you do what you got to do. It's really that you're all pulling together around a vision Mm. and trying to drive a vision, a movement. You know, many of the things we're involved in really are movements. But at the end of the day, so the archaeologist side is, is how am I going to see myself as somebody who sees things in people that what has God installed in someone and what can I pull out? So it's the discoverer, developer. You know, I love how this picture of like, um, how well you can see this, but like when the archaeologist gets a, what they call a find mm-hmm. and they, pull, you know, like a, it, let's say it's a, it's a 2000 year old vase. And they, the first thing they do is, you know, they chip away the big stuff and then they pull it up and they've got those little brushes and they're literally, peeling away the layers to kind of see what's what's there. And then what use does that thing have? What does it inform us? What does it tell us? The flip side of that is archaeologist is really taking that, or excuse me, a um, architect is taking what you find and saying, okay, I, I'm a builder. I need to build a system, put this into use. You know, it's a, it's how do we use this to drive the vision forward? Then it's the, it's all the building pieces of structure and scaling stuff. And it's kind of all, all important. So that's, that's the general paradigm. That's cool. Now I have a question, just, I, I guess, chipping into what you just said there, pun yeah. intended. Um, <laughs> um, where do you find that? I mean, do you think pastors and church leaders from your kind of assessment and, and do you think they're a little better at the archaeologist part? Do you think they're a little bit better at the architect part? Like, you know what I mean? When you see that dynamic. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I think it's, um, I think it's, it's based on decades sometimes in the church and not to get too philosophical, but I think there's been periods in the church where the leaders got broader, the leaders we became were different. There were teachers. I think where we're at today with most of the leaders I meet, 
in the current church. They're much more um, entrepreneurial. They're much more um, taken ground and, and visionary and great communicators. And that usually lends itself to more of the architect than the archaeologist. So I think it's, it, it, and it's, you know, we all are given both passions and skill sets. And I think my skill set is always, my focus has always been, I'm, I'm kind of a defender of the developer, if you will, just because it's such a important part. But I also think we're built in different ways. I may naturally be a developer encourager mm. versus a builder challenger. I think that's okay. We just have to understand that it's, it's kind of like our faith. Um, there are certain tenets of our faith that are not um, that we don't get to choose <laughs> uh, whether we do them or not. You know, whether it's you know loving people, you don't get to choose. God says we're. So I think that's you may not be a great natural developer, but I think you have to develop a skill set and or gather around you people that are good developers to make sure that that component is. You know, but I think in today's world, I spend a lot more time being concerned about um, the development side of it versus architects. We have a lot of great builders, it seems like, which is a good thing to have. But if you start kind of putting floors on the on the building you're building and you haven't done enough development of the footings or the foundation mm. uh, at some point, you end up with kind of the leaning tower of Pisa at, at some point. <laughs> It doesn't show up. It's insidious. It doesn't show up early on in your ministry or in your leadership or in your organization, your church. It shows up later. But unfortunately, when it shows up, meaning that void of, of development, it shows up in not having enough leaders. So you can't go as fast as you were. It, things start to break. And the difficult, the most difficult thing that really is on my heart, the reason I'm so passionate with people is that when things when that happens, there's not a quick fix because you can't microwave leaders. Um, you know, you, if you needed a new building tomorrow, and it's not that this easy, but if you needed a new building because you could launch another campus, let's say, you, if somebody gave you $20 million, you could launch a campus if you found an existing building in a week. Um, you can't, if you have a crisis of leadership, a void of leadership, um, that could take you five years to, you know, to catch up. And so I'm kind of the evangelist of don't wait till that time. Cause if you call me then and say, what do I do, Phil? Like, I don't, there's no quick fixes at that point. Yeah. You know, something that, that Sam Chan teaches a lot is, um, a lot of times people want to get ahead to step C, D and E putting the roof on the house, but you don't have a solid foundation or even walls. And it sounds like that's what you're talking about. And I would say, I would say if, kind of from my perspective and experience, sometimes it seems like that development part might take longer. And so we kind of want to skip it, right. Or, or, you know, unearthing something and, and, and really seeing what we got. It, it takes not only intentionality, but it actually takes time. And, right. and we want to right. be so far ahead that, that maybe that's the price we're not willing to pay sometimes. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think it's, um, again, back to depending on how you're wired, some people get generally excited about it, but I think it feels, um, it doesn't, it's, it's a deceptive thing. It feels like when you're in the middle of an opportunity, especially if it's an opportunity based thing, you've got this vision, you've got this ability, you have people that want more of it. 
is to just give them more and to scale it up because it seems selfish sometimes. It seems unwise to say, I really need to do this cautiously is not the right word, but I need to do this incrementally. And, you know, it's just, it's, there's a different feeling when you see a structure quickly go up than there is when you're just, um, a quick story. I was, uh, uh, when I was, um, in my previous life in New York, um, looking out, uh, I was in a, a skyscraper, if you will, my office and looking out across the street was a, a vacant lot. Um, and they were one day, some guys showed up with a bunch of heavy equipment and they were out there. I'm not kidding for six months. Every day I would hear this noise. It was horrible trying to get work done, but there was all this noise and all this activity and all these people. And I literally for six months saw nothing out coming out of the ground. And it's because they were driving these big pilings down into the ground. And there's this feeling as a leader, when you're doing all this development work, mm -hmm. that like we are not getting anywhere. Nothing is nothing is happening versus, and I, and hear my heart. I love, I love all you pastors, but like <laughs> what happens sometimes is I don't feel something is happening. And so I'm going to go do a big event and drive, mm -hmm. you know, like 500 people to show up to an event. Cause that's going to feel like we're doing something. Right. And sometimes events are the best thing you could ever do. But I think sometimes we look for other things to try to make it feel like there's energy because I, I, like I said, I was frustrated. Like I wanted to see a building. I've never seen a skyscraper get built. And I'm like, I'm like a little kid waiting for it to come up. And finally the first part of steel started to come up and guess what? Then the thing shot up. Like it seemed like two weeks they had the framework up, but it was forever that I could literally not see a thing. So I think that's, it's very difficult. It takes discipline, takes maturity, and it takes, I think, knowing you have to focus on the good things. God's promises, quite frankly, the things that he's promised you will come to pass. You don't have to try to synthesize them by getting visible things to happen before you've really built the built the foundation. Yeah, that's really good. You made, you made a comment that I think on the same note, can you, can you unpack a little bit? Leadership is like a superhero. Can you, mm. can you unpack that a little bit? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, I think with development, development is a discovery process. Like we said, um, I think we try to make development into something that I'm bringing something and I'm installing it in you. God doesn't make anything void. So those things are inside of me. I might not even know what they are. You may need to call them out. I may have had some experience. So here's the superpower part is, you know, um, when I think, is it Marvel or one of those uh, X-Men or Marvel, one of the things where they all, all the kids that have, that are, have superpowers live in this like college for superheroes and they're young and they're inexperienced and, like a, if, if their superpower is that their eyes are like lasers, they're just, they get upset about something and look at a coffee table and all of a sudden it starts <laughs> on fire and burns the room down. It's like, that's the beginnings of something that's very good. It's something God put in you. You just have to discover what the balcony of that strength looks like. And again, I think it's easier than we make it sometimes because the superpowers exist. Uh, we know through Strength Finder and Myers-Briggs and, Enneagram that we are all built differently. We're all given special gifts. And quite frankly, some of that we can just, we can do an assessment and understand already what your superpowers are. Then it's wrapping 
um, the knowledge, studying that super that super strength mm-hmm. and applying it. De- development's nothing more than understanding and practicing, understanding more and practicing more. It's it's what we call building a skill, which is nothing more than learning more about it, but then actually getting in the gym and and uh, you know working out, if you will. I love that. You know, um, some of us, some of us in the church world might call some of those spiritual giftings, right? Yeah. Some of them might be, you know, just natural abilities and talents that get redeemed and, um, and, and we, and we start to, sh- you know, develop those and, and study them and, and watch others. I love this. I want to, I want to kind of segue, staying on the same kind of leadership vibe and wavelength here, but I want to segue a little bit into just, just practical just practical leadership for pastors and ministry leaders. Phil, I think one of the things that you do so well, along with your team at Focus 412, um, is that you help churches, um, both both younger, you know, new church plants and young churches, as well as, right. you know, established, you know, well-established, right. you know, long, long, been there a long time churches. You help right. many churches with systems and structures. Um, can you talk to us just a little bit on the practical side of things? How important systems and structures are maybe maybe even delve in a, a little bit into what are some common mistakes that you just see in regards to systems and structures and the lack thereof you know yeah. and what what do we as church leaders pastors what do we need to start paying attention more to in all of this systems and structures yeah i mean i think systems and structures are important to you've got I, I always see it kind of in the dynamic of you've got people so you need to people that are called to a vision you have you have culture, which is a framework for them to work within. It's how they relate to each other. It's it's our shared agreement of how we're going to live together on this you know on this journey on this mission. You've got systems, which are the processes in which we're going to do the things we know we need to do, and we need to have you know lines on the field, if will. The processes are nothing more than. Um, lines on a football field. If you and I went out with some, some buddies um, and had a ball and we're like, Hey, let's play. Let's just go out and have fun. It would be miserable if we just had a ball and no idea what we were really doing, but we're just like, let's just kind of do something with this ball. We don't want any rules or restrictions, meaning systems like and structure. We don't need any of that stuff because we want the freedom of just us and a ball and a great game. It's going to be the best game. It would be miserable. We'd be bumped. We wouldn't know exactly what we're doing. Now, if we drew some simple lines on the field, which is the structure, and then we prescribed how we're going to kind of have that fun we're getting ready to do, which is this, which are the systems, we would have an amazing experience that would have unlimited freedom within the lines. It really, systems and structures enable freedom because they've already pre-described how we're going to do things, which means we get the joy of actually doing them together and we don't have all these collisions and conflicts in the middle. So I think it's, it's really, I think there's this, there's still this prevailing thought in the, in the church. And again, I don't want to overgeneralize, but I think um, it's this idea that their systems and structures are restrictive, right? They're, they're bureaucratic, they're corporate, if you will. And we're the church, we're just dynamic. And hmm. I, I, I always say like, be as, you know, I feel like uh, um, Odell Beckham Jr. is pretty dynamic, uh, you know, like, and he plays on a field with 
you know, and so I think I see it that way. Like the greatest performances are always on a field or a stage. They're not out just in the middle of something just happening. So I think for us to get the best, we need those things. But, and I think we probably err on the side of not having enough understanding of mm. the, the value of systems and structures and instead of just seeing the restriction of them. Yeah. That, the way you put that is, is pretty um, insightful because our natural tendency is to think, oh, wait, more, you know, lines and rules that's going to inhibit me. Whereas you said, those are, those are what bring us the freedom. And I think right. that's, I think that's huge, especially for, uh, you know, I, I think not only for, but sometimes kind of old school mentality, pastors and, and preachers and leaders, you know, although, you know, not, not limited to them, but sometimes maybe that's the way we've always done it. Or, you know, that's, yeah. you know, that's the flow in our denomination or, you know, yeah. And, and I think it's important to talk about that. I mean, you know, what are, what are some of the, what are, what are some of the, um, um, what are some of the obstacles you notice as you work with, with churches, regardless of, you know, of what style or, you know, where the church, but just, just kind of common patterns in the area of systems and structures that you say, man, if they just paid attention to this, it would make such, such a difference. You don't want to miss this month at Avail or any month for that matter. Why? Because each month, the Avail Online Leadership Series happens. A live call with leaders from around the world who have a passion for God and key leadership insights to impart to you. Interact with authors, pastors, and influencers from every industry. And the best part? It's free. To get registered right now, head over to theartofleadership.com. What are you waiting for? Yeah, I think the I think here's the biggest one. I think there's that we feel like, and I don't mean, I mean the greater we as leaders sometimes feel, especially in the church, like because of scale, meaning if I'm just starting my church, if I'm planting a church, um, the systems and structure, um, like an organizational chart and structure, understanding who does what and what those relationships are, that that's something you do later when you're big and you need to do it that that's for larger organizations, larger things, um, more mature things, that in the beginning, it's just more like a scrum because there's only really six or eight of us as leaders. And I think here's what happens is, um, I think that the time to do that is before you, you know, when you need, you need it now, but you'll need it, need it even more later. And when people don't have a picture of where you're going, here's what happens in a church context is, you know, um, a group of six or eight people that are committed and all in start a church and day one, everybody's, and I'll use this term, everybody's kind of informally on the lead team, right? Cause it's one, <laughs> there's one team, there's the pastor and the pastor's buddies and friends and spouses and all that stuff. And then guess what? You know, five years later, one of those eight people is the executive pastor one of those people sure. might be running. One of those people might be running the load in and load out team at the portable campus. Those are very different levels of roles. They're both super important, but typically, what's happened is there's some relational breaks that happen and resentment and confusion because I used to, you know, I used to serve side by side with the pastor, and now I'm doing something very different. And then somebody else that did that is still side by side with the pastor. And I feel either less than or resentment. Mm. And it's because there was no definition up front to say, 
today we have roles and we have levels, but they're just compressed into, and this is where we're going. And this is kind of where you're headed. And it's not a limiter. It's based on your capacity, based on your skill set. And this is your, this is your role. And, and here's where we're going to go in 18 months and then 18 months after that. Um, and I think that's, that prevents a lot of the, dis, the things that the conflict and breaks and it gives clarity. You just need clarity for the future. And it doesn't matter if you're big or small. So I think some of the systems and structures, we wait till we need them. And by the time we need them, we're now in pretty difficult circumstances versus just um, build stuff, build, um, build for where you're going, not for where you are, I guess is the, That's good. the thing. And not five years from now, but 18 months from now. Sure. Uh, uh, yeah. So we, I have an expression that scale breaks everything, meaning when we're doing something, what people need will never change. How, how you get it to them or how we do it will always be ever changing as we mm. scale the size and complexity of our organization. So we're not changing what we do or what they need. It's how we do it that needs to change. Because whether you're having lunch for, if, if I said, let's have lunch, um, if it was you and I, let's say, let's, let's uh, if we were in the same building, I'd say, let's go have lunch. You and I would say, hey, where, where do we want to go? Let's walk across the street to lunch. We'd have lunch, we'd have fellowship, and we'd go home. That's lunch. If I said, let's have lunch with 600 people, that's an example of scale breaks everything mm -hmm. because the invite for the scale of me and you was me saying, let's have lunch and you saying, yeah, let's do that. If, if we're going to invite 600 people, we need probably some kind of a, a Eventbrite or an email system or mm -hmm. and, uh, when we said, hey, let's go across the street. If you had 600 people, you'd probably have to plan three months ahead to get a venue for lunch for six. And so my point is the time frame changes in which you start to plan, the the way you go about it changes. But my argument is it's just lunch, mm -hmm. right? And it's <laughs> like, well, hey, it's just lunch. And so I call it scaling. It's We have to be thinking of the next level of scale. It's not what I need now. It's what do I need 18 months from now from a system structure and quite frankly, people leadership perspective. And if I'm building for that now, I'm going to be good once I get there. I love that. Um, in a second, we're going to talk a little bit about something that you're passionate about, which is organizational health and church health for that matter, leadership health. Um, I guess before we go there, just, just, I don't know, this question may or may not make sense. Right. But uh, we've talked about how small churches or brand new churches and then bigger churches that are established they might have some differences and at the same time, they might have some similarities and there could be smaller churches that have a better structure than bigger established churches. Here's, here's my, I guess here's, here's the question. If, if we had to in three minutes share with maybe a young pastor of, of a new church and they don't have any idea about system structures, what is just kind of a simple, Hey, I recommend you thinking about this simple kind of pattern or um, framework. What, what, yeah. you know, and you only had, you know, a couple minutes with them. What, what would yeah. you say? Yeah, I would say always, you know, I would say what's important is uh, people need to understand what their role is and they, they need to understand the greater structure that their role lies in. Meaning I have to know what I'm tasked to do, what my bumpers are, my responsibilities are. And then I also I also need to know 
the context in which I'm placed and what happens around me. And I think that's that's probably the biggest thing we see is it's kind of a divide and conquer mentality of like, you're amazing. I trust you. Go, um, you know, go make these things happen. Mm-hmm. I think we underestimate, especially at a small scale, that we still have to have clear understanding of 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 what how our role nests in in the greater picture, mm. uh, whether it be level, whether it be scope of responsibilities. And I think literally, and I know this sounds weird, but organizational structure is the thing that people are the most confused about, especially at a smaller scale. And then it just gets worse um, <laughs> over time. So I think it's, it's, you know, it, and it's very difficult because if you go to a great church like mine or yours, I mean, like the, the scale is different. So it's like trying to extrapolate um, a church that has 400 people on staff and say, what should my church look like that I have 12 people on the leadership team? It's very different. So I think, yeah, um, I think that's where ARC um, and other, you know, places, there's great, um, some great tools out there to kind of get with somebody who's, who understands at that level of scale, what it looks like. But I think focus on roles and responsibilities and you'll never go wrong. There's a lot of other stuff, but Mm. I think that's the thing that we kind of presume and, and don't typically spend enough time with. Yeah, that's good. So I'm hearing the importance of really envisioning what's the structure that you want your organization to look like, not just where you are now, because there might be no structure, but where do you want to go so that as you move forward, you can start knowing where you're headed towards and then having clarity in those key kind of key roles, responsibilities, key oversight with the key people on your team. Uh, This is going to help kind of get a head start for people that are kind of in those beginning. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's good. I was I was going to say that 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 this is something that that with Focus Four Twelve this is something that you guys do um, yeah. for for churches, right? Yeah, we we call it the. Um, what's interesting? This is what's interesting is when I first got a heart to go out and do this in this form, meaning eight years ago when God said go out and help leaders build their organizations. I never heard build an organization. I heard the opposite. Like God said, do not build something. You're. Um, one of our values to this day is we do your thing, not our thing. We don't have a thing hmm. to help you with your thing. And that's, that's what we do. But <laughs> so here's what happened is I went out and I, I thought I was going to evangelize the leadership pipeline. Cause I'm a leadership pipeline guy. <laughs> and I did that for about a year as I was, you know, building the process and figuring it out. And what we discovered is those pipelines did not last. And the reason they didn't last was because, some of the essential components of a healthy organization weren't there. So it was like this. Have you ever seen somebody at the gym? I don't want to pick on anybody, but it's like <laughs> that, that guy or gal at the gym that's got huge arms. Like, they, you know, they got these big guns and then they got like a stick body and their legs yeah. are this big around. Right. And it's just like they've been doing a lot of work on their arms. Right. But their frame doesn't really support that. And it was a great disappointment and I fought it. But. God showed me that it's like these these organizations can't support a leadership pipeline because they don't have the essential infrastructure, the systems, the structure and the leader. So what we do is we pivoted at 12 months, really, and said, 
let's go through all of the essential things that have to be in place. So that's what we do. It's, it's everything from mission, vision, values, to expectations, communication, decision-making, all those things, because if they're not in place, um, and a, a leadership pipeline is, if you will, is an advanced um, thing and it takes support. So it's what we help with now is what we call the essentials of a healthy organization. And, and it falls in basically staff systems and structure. And so that's, we, we get up every day um, thinking about that and trying to be better at helping people do that. Yeah, that's good. I know something on your heart you've shared with me is just uh, organizational health. Can you share some thoughts just because of kind of what's on your heart, what you're seeing, what you're praying for, what you're trying to help with? Yeah. I mean, I, and I, I always have to be careful when I talk about this because I'm so passionate and I'm a one in the Enneagram. So, you know, we have to live into our values, right? And <laughs> it's all about the integrity is the distance between your value and your, and your behavior, right? So you got to close that gap. And I think um, healthy, um, healthy churches is so important and healthy teams. And, and I think there's a lot of work we need to do. I think during COVID, we found out that um, it's kind of a striking thing. And, and I think a lot of people have talked about the fact that we lost some of our leaders. And I'm not just talking about on staff. I mean, volunteer leaders. And, yeah. Um, you know, basically, you know, 30, 30 million people quit their jobs. And I think I'm not sure that we looked any different in the church. And I think you could put a lot of labels on that, but I would say it's a, it's a crisis of leadership in a way that um, what we didn't get, what we discovered that we didn't give them. And I'm, I'm including myself in this. Mm -hmm. I'm not pointing my finger is that we found out that we weren't really developing individuals at a level of what I would call um, discipleship and leadership, yeah. which I see it. I see as the same thing, if you will. I know that theologically that discipleship is a spiritual thing, but that's part of being a leader. It's my depth of leading in, in character and spirit. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think what we found is they were died to the vision. They, they were on the mission, but they didn't have the tools to face the storm in their own life. When, when there wasn't all the systems in place, the systems kind of weren't there. My individual leadership <clears throat> is not what everything leans on. And I think it's a rally cry to us to say in our model going forward and our model always needs to, to be innovated. We have to come up with better, more, systematic, more committed ways to, and I, I, this isn't a plug for development, but it comes right back to, to, to love people is to invest in them and believe in them. They will do great things. It's, it's not trying to get them to do the task that creates leadership, which means I can lead my family. I can weather the storm. Um, and I think health comes from developing people and really not, I think, we put too much emphasis sometimes on where we're going versus if, if we really, the, the best companies, organizations and churches in the world focus on the team, which means they really focus on in the corporate world, their customers and the church, mm -hmm. the people we're trying to serve. So it's a cycle. And I'm just real passionate about uh, making sure that next time a storm hits that we're, 
that we're more prepared and more healthy. Cause I think we were, you know, the way and filled our bucket up and our bucket was already half full already, I think. So mm. um, I think that that's a, a lesson learned. And I think we're talking about a lot of ways that we can continue to be innovative and still accomplish what we're trying to accomplish, but stay healthy because it's a, it's a long play, right? I, yeah, I, we all need, you know, we'll all face, face uh, God one, one of those days. And I, I I don't know that he's going to make a big list of our tasks and and show us things on our checklist that didn't get done. So I think it is about um, spreading the church and loving loving people, and that gets best done when we're, we're um, able to do that for a long time. So that's good. What, um, as we head to the final stretch here, Phil, what would you say are some qualities and characteristics? specifically of the lead leaders mm. in organizations and churches where you're seeing health, you know, yeah. spiritual health, organizational health, co- church culture, you know, like a healthy church culture, you know, what, what are some things that stand out as you think about that concept? Yeah. Um, you know, I think something all great leaders that I've ever worked with have is they all have incredibly ridiculously high standards. Right. Um, mm. And so just, and I put that on the table because herein lies the problem. That's a good thing. And if it wasn't there, we wouldn't have these things. You know, we wouldn't have churches that just literally, you know, somebody puts a, a leader, puts a stake in the ground and says, I'm doing that right here. And these are the, you know, and pull something out of the ground. So it's a good thing. It's, it's how you manage to those standards. If you see your team, as a means to meeting your standards, then I think you've got some tough road ahead and you're going to burn through a lot of people. I think if the great leaders I know understand that, that building those high standards into the people that they're loving and leading is a great benefit to their lives because it creates this cycle of, of improving their lives, their leadership, which, you know, rises all, you know, the, the rising tide lifts all, excuse me, all boats. So I think it's, it starts with, they all have high, incredibly high standards and a vision. And it's whether you see your team as, um, a way for you all to fulfill the vision God's given you, or whether you see it as, um, getting a group of people that can help you fulfill the vision it's and i think that's a subtle difference but it's there's a big difference between a group of people that's going to help you fulfill your vision versus um help fulfill a vision and that you know most of them see themselves they don't necessarily always operate that way because you're called to a higher level and you're leading people but i think it's it's are you on the team or is the team a function of what you need a team to accomplish what you need to accomplish and that's the great deception that the devil loves to put on great leaders as it becomes my, my team is a mechanism to accomplish my goals because I'm a leader and I'm supposed to accomplish a lot. So um, hopefully that's not too personal, you know, when it comes to sound like I'm, I'm being critical of people, but it's, it's how the devil works in our leadership. And we see every day, you know, another person that started um, that, that thought it was about, the great gift that they were given 
that they were supposed to do something with versus, you know, that gift was given to pour into the people that are with you. So everybody can pour into the people that are around you. And I mean, I see that in your, you know, I just want to say this. Well, I see that in your heart and your leadership. And that's all I've, you know, seen from you is just like, you're always, I don't know that I've ever seen you that you haven't first question from you is always like, how are you doing? What's going on with you? How's focus for 12? You're never like, and you know, you meet people that it's like two seconds in, they're excited and, and you get excited for them, but they're all about the thing they're doing and everything comes back to the thing they're doing. And I think that's the same paradigm in leading a team. It's like, what's going on with them? What are they thinking about? What what are their dreams? And their dreams are all common to yours because they're part of your vision, but like, uh, don't be afraid to, to turn it around. And I see that in your heart and your leadership and your demeanor. And I think you're a good example of like, um, you know, you're always helping somebody else. And I think leaders help other people, even if you're a monster, like you got a huge organization or church, um, your job is always still to figure out what everybody else needs. That's good. That's good. I appreciate that. That means a lot to me. Um, man, this has been really good. I could probably, I could stay here personally, another, another two episodes, another two hours and talk about this, this stuff, which is so helpful. Maybe we'll, we'll plan around two in the future. Um, this is really good. Can I just shoot a couple of quick answer, just write whatever comes to your mind questions. You can even pass if you, if you have to, um, here's the first one. Um, here's the first one just random thoughts here. What is your, what is a hobby? Something you just enjoy doing? Phil Klein. Golf. I love to golf, but I don't get too much because I, I love leadership development more. So I'm always, I'm a workaholic, but it's what I love to do. So yeah, I love play golf. Grace and I've been trying to play more. So I love golf. All right. All right. Is there a hidden talent that most people don't know about? Wow. Yeah. I'm a really good improv comic. Scratch comic. I'm good at improv um, situational. Hits. Yeah, like two people. St- it's like you see on TV, two people standing there. Somebody says, here's the scene. Here's what it is. Uh, one, you're the dad. You're the son. He just came home <laughs> after getting pulled out of jail. Ready, set, go. <laughs> I would be the last person you because I'm a, as you've already seen, I'm a processor and a <laughs> kind of a deep thinker and I thought I'd hate it. I love it. And I'm pretty good at it. Would you, so you're, you must've been a fan of the whose line is it anyway kind of show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Terrifies me, but there's some thrill. It's like jumping out of an airplane and um, I've got to do it a couple times with some people that actually uh, like second city type thing, not them specifically, but <laughs> professional actors. And I thought this is going to be a disaster, but it was amazing. Cool. Well, maybe we can do that because I love improv too. We can do that in the future. All right. Here's another question. Uh, what makes you laugh about church and leadership? Oh, gosh. Um, uh, maybe skinny jeans. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I I mean, I, I try to find a sense of humor. Sometimes I'm such a serious guy that it's um, I lament more than I laugh. But um, I, I think sometimes it's just we uh, we can sometimes take ourselves too seriously. And um, but I um, yeah, I don't have a good one for that. I'm just trying to. I'll be processing that one later. We can stick with skinny jeans. We can stick with skinny. That's good. <laughs> okay. Last, last one. What, what breaks your heart right now for for leaders in the church? Oh gosh. Um, I think what breaks my heart right now, to be totally honest is I feel like 
we've got to do a reset that character is character always has to be greater than your gift or your um, competency. And I think what we've seen of late is um, people that break my heart because I love I love them that have fallen because their their gift or their opportunities is a better way to say it um, got out ahead of their character. And it didn't mean that they didn't have one. It's just that it outstripped it. And I think every one of the failures we've seen in the church in the last 10 years can go back to that paradigm. Mm-hmm. And I think there's great people out there that are some voices that are starting to speak to it. And I, I don't speak eloquently to it, but I am incredibly passionate about it because um, it's it's like it your gift is going to get you in the room. Your character is going to keep you in the room or yeah. keep you on the platform. And it's a bad thing when you have a lot of people that join in on something and then it all blows up because it, it went too fast for that um, to happen. And yeah. so I'm old school. I believe like you got to you got to do the work inside first. And I think I, I, I'm praying every day, literally, Grace and I pray about that. And I, I know God will heal us of that. But it's like there's just a lot of that out there right now. And I think the world has helped us get where we are because mm. not a lot of emphasis on that. It's just like, it's how good your social media looks and what people perceive of you sure. doesn't have anything to do with what's really happening inside. So it's all like you used to use the term before it's old school. It's just going back to, <laughs> you know, like uh, being a farmer, you know, the, <laughs> the, uh, what happens in your, to your crops is, a, is a level of your, your work and your dedication versus just what you could create in a PowerPoint slide or, you know, in a minute, like it, it takes some time to build that stuff, if you will. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Phil, if, if, if there are pastors, church leaders who are leaning in and interested and they want to know how, how focus 412, your organization can help them and their churches, their staff teams, how can they yeah. reach, reach out and find you? Uh, really just our, we have a website that kind of, gives folks um, an idea of what we do and gives them a look at the team. We have a great team. It's really not about me. Um, it's about the team. So it's fo- focus412.com and it's um, 412. So it's fo- focus412. Ephesians 412 is where the name comes from. And yeah, just reach out. We would love to hear from you. Reach out and um, and and we'd love to, to talk to people, but really just um, we're not looking to sell anything or, or promote anything. It's really just if people need help, we'd love to help them. Yeah, I want you guys to listen, leaders, pastors, you know, executive pastors. Um, if you haven't looked into Focus 412 with Phil Klein and his team, I highly, highly recommend it for all things staff, systems, structures, you know, um, just the, the the leadership and the growth and the, you know, developing something, you know, not only for now, but for the future. Focus 412, they're, they're top rank. Uh, I really highly recommend it. Focus412.com is the website. Uh, Phil, one thing we like to do with our leaders is always encourage them to lean into resources like the Avail Journal. I mean, would you agree that having resources for leaders reading up uh, is something that's so important? Yeah, and that's such a great resource. I, I read it. It's beautiful. It's informative. It's deep. Um, and I mean that it's like, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a pleasure to learn through that. And I've seen some great stuff. I've actually seen you in there a time or two, but uh, 
<laughs> no, it is an amazing resource. And I love it. I uh, have a copy on my desk. Yeah, all all available listeners and viewers, just want to let you know, if you haven't done so yet, you can access your free annual subscription of the Avail Journal by going to availjournal.com. We have rich, enriching uh, articles and resources by a multiculturally diverse, multi-generationally diverse, uh, you know, uh, contributors, pastors, leaders, people that are making an impact in the community, in the church, in ministry. Uh, if you haven't done so, you got to do this, availjournal.com. Uh, Phil, you know, before we wrap things up, just, just a final nugget that you want to leave on leaders' hearts today. Mm. Um. I'll, I'll do this one. Um, there's a phrase we use in coaching um, and it's uh, unspoken expectations are premeditated resentment. And I would just say, we've talked a lot about, you know, people working with people and, and um, expectations are important. It's important for us as people, whether it's me to you, me to my team, that we make very clear our expectations of each other and then build great relationships on top of that and uh, and you know grow our churches and reach more people so i think if we focus on relationship we're going to get a lot of results and it starts with expectations great word hey everybody man what a great conversation here with uh, phil klein phil i really appreciate this just want to mention on behalf of the avail team on behalf of um Dr. Sam Chand, Martine Van Tilburg, everybody behind the Avail team, we just want to, we thank you, we honor you, and we bless you for what you've, what you've already done, what you're doing, but, but what I know that you and your family and your team are going to continue to do in equipping the church. Uh, we are so proud of you. We're so thankful for you. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful for you and the whole team and Sam. Hey, everybody. I hope you've gotten a lot out of this. Remember, Focus 412, Focus 412. Dot com. That's the website where you can find find out more about Phil, his team, and how their organization can help your organization. They can help your church grow beyond what you can imagine. What a great conversation. Be encouraged. Be blessed. Hey, everybody, we'll catch you next time right here on The Avail Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Avail Podcast. We hope we got you leaning in with this conversation with Phil Klein. Remember, you can connect with Phil and his team by going to focus412.com. For more leadership resources, check us out at theartofleadership.com. And make sure to claim your free annual subscription of the Avail Journal at availjournal.com. As always, I'm your Avail media host, Virgil Sierra. Muchas gracias. Thank you for connecting with us to learn the art of leadership here at the Avail Podcast. 